Hello and welcome back to Where Is My Mom Manual. My name is Lauren Martha and I am a new mom to two amazing little ones, Logan, age two, and Ella, four months. Each week you will hear actionable tips and strategies that you can implement into your daily life as a mom. These tips are retrieved through interviews, Bible studies, and trial and error from new moms like myself to more seasoned moms with experience. Today we're talking about seasons and five steps to handling a season like a queen. Queen Esther, in fact. Joining me today is a dear friend and amazing mother, Hope Smith. She will be sharing her response to a difficult season and how God brought her through. Good morning and thank you all for joining me today. Today we are talking about seasons and seasons are fun because they change and we aren't hot anymore. We're not cold. Right now we're just in a happy medium and it's wonderful. Seasons are so great, but they can also be so hard because I'm paralleling the seasons of nature to personal seasons. And for a personal season, a season of winter can mean sadness and heartbreak and loneliness. And a season of spring can mean new beginnings. A season of summer can be an abundance of distractions and so forth and so on. There are so many things that come our way in life, but how do we face the seasons of life? In the book of Esther, we see a young lady who is raised by her cousin Mordecai. And from the scripture, we can see that Mordecai was a kind man that carried a heart for the church. He loved people, and not only did he love people, but he loved Esther. And Esther was a wise queen. She used wisdom, and she was intelligent. She responded in the way that marked her in the Bible. She's a noteworthy queen. So I think we can learn from someone who was deserving of being placed in the Holy Scripture. So Esther's response to her season is first to seek out what pleases the king. She says, I don't want to add to or take away from what the Lord is trying to do in my life. And we see that in verse 15 of chapter 2, where she goes to Haggai, the king's eunuch, and she says, what pleases the king? And by her humble approach, she was teachable. And Haggai is able to instruct her on what the king likes, what the king favors. And she obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. That was wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and don't lean unto your own understandings. In other words, have a teachable spirit. Don't always try to figure it out on your own. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he, the Lord, shall direct thy paths. Because we're on a mission to please the king, the king of kings. It's not about pleasing anyone else. The other ladies and the other virgins, they wrapped themselves in the wealth of Persia while Esther maintained an humble and teachable spirit. She set herself aside and said, Lord, you close the doors that must be closed and open the doors that may be opened so that I can enter into the season that you would have for me. And we further study in Esther chapter 2 that Mordecai 
has walked in front of the court on the daily. And it's such a beautiful relationship of a father's love for his daughter. And Mordecai, I imagine that he was pacing in prayer. And not only was he just pacing in prayer, but he was probably pondering, hey, did I do it right? Did I did I raise her? Did I give her all the instruction that she's going to need to be a queen? What, what did I leave out? Maybe he left his high-paying job to take care of his beautiful little girl that he had poured everything into. And while he had no fame for himself, he stood at the court and daily in prayer for Esther. And by protecting his daughter, he served the kingdom. We are serving God's kingdom whenever we raise our little beautiful babies that belong to the Lord. By guarding their crowns, we're guarding the work of the Lord. We're, we're adding to His kingdom. And if Mordecai had not been dutiful in his position as the watchman on the wall for his daughter, he would not have been able to warn Esther of Haman's plan. In John 10 and 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. And that is the New Living Translation. But if you read the KJV, it says, I have come that they might have life and to have it more abundantly. It is God's will for our children to have an abundant, full life. It is God's will for you to have an abundant, full life. But we have to guard our life and to guard our seasons and look out for the thief that comes to steal and kill. And we can only do that in being willing to have a teachable spirit and to pray and seek out His will for our life. And so the second point that I see from Esther, her response to a difficult season was to love others even when she was grieving, even when she was hurt. Her response to the situation whenever her chamberlains came to her and told her the situation was to be exceedingly grieved. And in spite of her fear and in spite of her hurt, she sees that her uncle, her her father figure in her life is hurting and she turns to him and she brings him a clothing, a cloak of joy for the spirit of heaviness. And that is a beautiful response to a season of difficulty. When we can look around and we see others over ourselves, that is a mature way of handling your season, a blessed way of handling your season. We see that Mordecai has taught Esther how to love others, and it began in the home. And whenever it came time for her to lead and to set the Jews free and to, to be a savior, her love for others that began in the home is what's most prevalent in her life. And we see whenever the difficult time comes, Mordecai continues to speak into her life and she receives his teaching. And he says, For if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art to come to the kingdom for such a time as this? That's so powerful. Mordecai is saying, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't hide behind your blessings. Face this difficulty. Don't quit your position in the church. Continue to be the leader that you're called to be. Because if you abandon your post, 
The Jews are going to be saved in another time, in another place, because it's a promise. It's a prophecy. But right now, the world needs you. Your world needs you and what you can do, what you have to bring. But if you don't, your children are going to suffer. Your home is going to suffer. Mordecai said, your father's house will be destroyed. If you abandon your post and you try to hide in this season and run from it and maybe walk out on God because this season is just too tough, someone is hanging on to your response to the trial that you are in. The third response that Esther has is prayer and fasting. Esther 4 and 16 says that Esther's response to this season, this difficult time, is that she calls a three-day prayer and fast of no water, no food. And the Philippians 4 and 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And her fourth response was to serve the king and her enemies. This spirit of servitude brought blessings and promotion on her home and her father Mordecai. She brought her request to the king and in return, freedom to her people. But she didn't just bring her request in a way that was demanding and said, me, me, me. But she approached the throne wearing her best. She's done all the footwork up to this point. And she approaches him and the king sees her. And it says that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. And then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What is thy request? It shall be given to thee to the half of the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto a banquet that I have prepared for him. Her response to her season is to love on the king, to bless the king, to worship him, to be a wife, to dine with him. She doesn't make it all about her needs. And there comes a time and a place where after she's loved on him, she reveals her request. And the king was already prepared to give her up to half of the kingdom. She had that much favor. But Esther said, first, let me bless you. First, let me feed you. There is something so powerful about loving the Lord through your trial. Something so powerful about being teachable. Something so powerful about keeping a the heart for others in the middle of your season. So yes, your season is difficult. And yes, there's so much going on and you're hurting and you have a, a right to hurt, but don't give up. Handle it the way that God would have you handle your season. Keep pushing through. Let's go ahead and listen to my friend Hope and her response to a season of difficulty in her life. It will blow your mind how God meets her in her need and promotes her and blesses her future. So there was a time in your pregnancy where the doctors did not give you a good report for your son Levi. Do you mind telling us about that report and how you handled that? Yes, well, with twins, you do quite a lot of ultrasounds and anatomy scans and and one of our anatomy scans I remember like vividly it was the 28 week mark and the doctors like 
we had to like do it over Skype and they were like, oh, well, we need to call the other doctor and we need to call the other doctor. And so of course, like our eyes got huge and we started getting worried. Well, then um, the doctor was like, okay, so your son is significantly smaller than your daughter and you're gonna have to go to the hospital right now and get an NST and see what's going on because it looks like he might have kidney problems and he will probably um, have Down syndrome. So we just need, we need to start telling you this and preparing you for it. So we had to like rush over to the hospital and like we were young and dumb and we didn't know nothing about it. And I didn't like pack, I didn't take time and pack a bag. We just like ran all the way over there. We were just like, okay, what next? And we went up in there and for a a non-stress test is where you have to well, when you go to a hospital at a doctor's office, it's different. But when you go to the hospital, you have to get, like, you know, naked and in your gown and stuff. Well, then my husband had called my in-laws, and I had called my parents. And my in-laws lived right down the street from the hospital, and my father-in-law had came to the hospital. And I was, like, I just remember vividly, like, clenching my gown. I was, like, don't let him in. <laughs> and he was, like, he just wants to pray for us. I was, like, not right now. <laughs> and I remember... Um, for the non-stress test is where you have to get it's like the two basically stethoscopes on your stomach well both of my kids were acrobats but Levi they could not find him he was moving so much they couldn't they couldn't even find him which after hearing that news was just incredibly stressful well the doctor came in and he was like I can I think I found him but I don't know for sure and he was like nurse get me an ultrasound machine in here (laughs) and they they wheeled it in and he finally like got the ultrasound and found him he was like hidden behind lily kate you know getting the snot beat out of him you know but that's (laughs) that's nothing new (laughs) that was just the beginning and i just remember i just remember how thankful i was that we got to see him again like i know that's crazy like we had just seen him but it was like it was so great to see them and to see lily kate's little legs kicking her brother's head (laughs) but it was so wonderful to get to watch him and count his breaths and look at all that stuff and know he's that he was good that he was fine that he really was there and the doctor was like hey i don't know why they sent you here you're 28 weeks pregnant i'm not going to deliver your babies today and you're fine like go home and i was just like okay okay i will (laughs) and i remember every ultrasound after that they were like okay he's probably gonna have down syndrome and he's probably gonna have kidney problems and he might have it was lung problems too i forgot to add that and i finally and they kept asking me they were like well do you want to terminate your pregnancy and i was like i was like no i was like at the first time I was just so flabbergasted that somebody would ask that just because my son might have something wrong like let's just kill your baby I was just like no well then after you know three weeks or three weeks two or three times a week of them asking me that I was like ma'am you better put it in my chart and quit asking me that I was like I'm not I was like I will if he has it he has it and I will deal with it when he's born I was like but for right now I'm not terminating this pregnancy and stop asking. Yeah. And that lady just laughed at me. She's like, all righty then. <laughs> She's like, I just love your attitude. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm glad there's more of it. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I remember whenever you first came here, you was actually, by coming here, I mean coming to New Life, um, you were going through something with Levi and they had placed him in leg braces. Yes. And there was a miracle there as well, right? Yes, I should probably say he 
he was born perfectly healthy too. I should probably shouldn't have just left it off with, and we didn't know. <laughs> we still don't know. No, he was, he was perfectly fine. He was born five pounds and three ounces and she was six pounds and nine ounces. And she just stole the groceries. That was all it was. And he was completely fine. And, uh, but as time went on, he, um, the muscles in his legs weren't developed right. And like, it's, very frustrating like the medical system I feel like because it was like I knew something was wrong with my son so I would take him to the doctor well the doctor was like well let's check for autism and I was like sir I was in preschool I specialized I was like an aide to autistic kids like I know what autism looked like and my son I do not believe my son has it and he was just like okay I was just like oh you're precious <laughs> but I remember it was just like this crazy you know, rabbit hole, loophole of the, I had to get in with the doctor. The doctor had to see him enough to determine that something was wrong with him. And I was like, sir, he's 18 months old and he can't walk. He can't stand up in the middle of the room. Like he can't, he can't do any of this. Like my daughter is doing it and she's doing fine, but my son cannot. And so we finally did that. And then we ended up going through ECI, which is early child care uh, intervention and they were like, yes, he is behind and he just needs braces. And I was like, okay. So he got, uh, he got braces and then they're like, okay, and he needs to start having therapy. And this was like right in the middle of COVID. So of course I couldn't see nobody. And I live in the sticks and they're like, we're going to do it all online. And I was just like, oh, that's oh stupendous. <laughs> like, let me just stand on my roof to get good enough signal <laughs> and chase my son while he walks. And she was like, okay, I do see something wrong. After the only online appointment we had, um, the, I remember vividly, like, she was like, okay, we're going to set a goal for Levi. And I was like, okay. And she's like, and our goal is for him to stand up on his own. And I can remember, like, vividly thinking, like, that's going to be months. Like, because Levi, he couldn't. Like, he just couldn't do it. And it was so sad. And it was, it's so crazy, like, watching the twin bond. Because, like, Lily Kate would, like, walk over to him and, like, walk beside him so that he could stand up beside her. Like, she would help him up and stuff. And it was just, like, that's just crazy. Like, how, like, she didn't know, but she knew. Yeah. And um, I can remember we got called up to the front one night and... Uh, he had, uh, it was Brother Brick Coots. He was like, I, I just need to tell you that your son is going to be fine. He's going to walk and write this down. Okay. And I was just like, okay, so we're going to do that. And then, so the appointment was on, I want to say a Tuesday, and then we had church Thursday, and that happened. And then by Saturday, oh. Levi stood up in the middle of the room, like wow. uh, completely on his own. And that had never, that had never happened. Yeah. And I just, remember just being in awe and like man like God is just so good like he's just so good and then the next appointment they were they terminated therapy they were like oh well he already accomplished his goal so we're just going to terminate therapy and I was just like okay wow and it was just amazing we ended up keeping him in his braces just because his ankles were still really weak and we had I had just did what the therapist had told me to do, which is like make him walk on pillows and all that random stuff. Yeah. But he's good. He can run with the best of them now. And It sounds like fear tried to attack you and your family on several occasions. How did you face that? Like, 
what would your advice be to someone who's possibly in a situation of fear being told a bad report? I would say that have faith. Like have faith for the healing. And if God is not going to heal your kid, he's either going to heal your baby or he's going to give you the grace to deal with that situation. And I feel like God helped me with both of that. Like he helped me to help my son to walk. Like he helped give me grace that was sufficient to be able to teach my son and help him to make the best of a not the greatest situation. And just just breathe. Like it's so it's so hard to tell a worried parent like, "Oh, it'll be fine. Just, you know, just calm down, it'll be fine." <laughs> but it will. Like it'll it all works out like like it says in Romans like it all works together for the good of those who love God and it does like it completely does and I'm evidence of that and thankfully we have a testimony that you know echoes of God's greatness and wonder isn't that beautiful don't let your season dictate your tomorrow Your season's trying to speak fear into your life. Maybe it's trying to speak discouragement. Maybe your season has controlled your mind for so long saying, give up, give up. You're never going to be happy that you finally believe it and you're ready to throw in the towel. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Tell your season to back up. Tell your season to shut up. God is in control. Remind your season who your God is. God has a plan for you and he's going to prosper you and not harm you. He plans to give you a hope and a future. And you're too going to have echoes of his greatness and wonder. We serve a mighty God and he's in control of all things. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Quote these scriptures, speak them out loud. Don't let your season dictate your tomorrow. God is the author and the finisher. And I hope that you can join us every Monday as we continue to release awesome podcasts just like this one. Thank you and have a blessed day.